Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, Revoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Blog Talk Radio. <laughs> Backyard Poultry with the Chicken Whisperer Radio Show, brought to you by Combox Feeds, where we give away more chicken coops and chicken-related prizes than anyone else on the planet. We are often imitated, but never duplicated. My name is Andy Schneider, but most know me as the Chicken Whisperer, author of The Chicken Whisperer's Guide to Keeping Chickens, national spokesperson for the USDA, Biosecurity for Birds program, and editor-in-chief of Chicken Whisperer magazine. Each week, I welcome experts in their field to share their knowledge about different topics, including backyard poultry, show poultry, heritage poultry, gardening, cooking, and living a self-sufficient lifestyle. Be sure to visit us online at chickenwhisperer.com, where you can follow us on Twitter, become a fan on Facebook, and subscribe to the totally free digital edition of Chicken Whisperer magazine. Once again, I would like to thank all of you for tuning in today to Backyard Poultry with the Chicken Whisperer, brought to you by Calm Box Feeds. We've got a great show lined up for you today. We've got Peter Brown, also known as the Chicken Doctor. He's going to be here talking all about breeder preparation for spring. So that'll be a great topic. Go ahead and get that spiral notebook out and that pen so you can take some notes. And we'll go ahead and uh, sneak off to our first commercial break so we can have some a uh, long time talking about that before our next break towards the end of the hour. But uh, let's go ahead and uh, play tribute to our sponsors. Stay with us. We'll be back right after this short commercial break. When you need an incubator, think Brensi, the incubation specialist. Brensi has been a world-leading manufacturer of incubators for over 30 years. Incubators from 7 to 380 eggs with high-quality electronic and digital controls, including precise humidity control and programmable egg turning, all at surprisingly affordable prices. Visit them online at Brensea.com. Brensea spelled B-R-I-N-S-E-A. That's Brensea.com or call 1-888-667-7009. Enter the coupon code WHISPER at checkout and save 10% on their incubators, brooders, egg candlers, and other incubation accessories. When 
You need an incubator. Think Frenzy. Technology you can trust. Introducing the Bright Tap Chick Feeder, the cleaner feeder that grows with your flock. The Bright Tap Feeder is designed with a unique shield that prevents chicks from standing on the feed tray and pooping into their food. The shield keeps the feed clean, so you spend less time cleaning the feeder. And when your chicks grow up and leave the brooder, you can use the Bright Tap Feeder outdoors to give your adult chickens scratch, grit, and oyster shells. The unique shield also prevents rain from getting into the feed tray and spoiling the food. The Bright Tap Feeder fills easily through a lid in the top. No more spills or wasted feed. To learn more, visit our website, chickenwaterer.com. That's chickenwaterer.com. Cackle Hatchery is a third-generation, family-owned and operated hatchery. They offer over 193 varieties of poultry shipped directly from their facility in Missouri. It's their mission to enhance your life by providing you with quality poultry for showing, meat, enjoyment, eggs, and pets. They specialize in hatching purebred poultry and shipping day-old chicks right to your local post office since 1936. 4-H and FFA Youth Poultry Clubs get a 10% discount. Check out their website, CackleHatchery.com, for posted weekly specials and discounts. That's CackleHatchery.com. Ware Manufacturing has been building quality hutches since 1983. Ware manufactures modern chicken hutches, barns, pens, and nest boxes designed especially for the backyard flock. Ware offers hutches and pens for every yard size and every chicken keeper's budget. Visit their website at waremfginc.com. That's W-A-R-E-M-F-G-I-N-C.com. Or call them to find a retailer near you at 1-888-824-7257. Ware Manufacturing. Hi, I'm country music artist Nathan Osmond, and you're listening to Backyard Poultry with the Chicken Whisperer. And the mighty bird against prejudice continues his fight for law and order. So when you hear that cry in the sky, you'll know it's Super Chicken. All righty, thank you very much for staying with us today on Backyard Poultry with the Chicken Whisper. It is Mon- no, yeah, it is uh, Monday. So of course we have uh, Peter Brown, also known as the Chicken Doctor, joining us today. Great show talking about. Um, really preparing your breeders for uh, spring. So uh, we'll get that to, to get to that in just a moment. I have basically uh, three announcements. Thank you very much to all of my incredible uh, fans and, and friends out there. Uh, the response was overwhelming for my uh, surgery. Uh, the prayers, the uplifting thoughts, the, the concerns, the, the comments, everything. I really do appreciate it. 
Um, obviously, I survived. I'm here broadcasting live, so um, I'm very thankful for that. <laughs> but um, it uh, it uh, it is what it is, and I'll have an extended uh, recovery based on how bad my particular uh, operation uh, was once they got in there and saw the havoc that had wreaked in there over the last 14 years. Um, I had ended up having two um, hernias, and the doctor, as soon as the surgery was done, lasted twice as long as it was supposed to. Um, and I came out and talked to my wife, Jen, and said they were a lot worse than we thought, but we took care of it. We got it done. Uh, they had to do basically some reconstruction in there to get everything situated uh, so it would last and uh, not reoccur. Uh, the place I had it done uh, has a less than a 1% reoccurrence rate. So um, hopefully I will uh, <coughs> continue their great success. But uh, nonetheless, long recovery, um, I can't lift anything, nothing, for three weeks from the day of surgery. So we're counting that down. And then after that, uh, only um, 10 pounds, really a jug of milk, for the next four months so, and then after that, he says, just uh, gradually get back to lifting some things, but just never, ever overdo it because um, we don't want to go down this uh, path again. So, uh, but, but so thank you very much for that on the road to recovery. And, uh, wow, I got a great, great support. Let me tell you, when we, um, when we arrived back here, surgery is over on the coast of Florida at a, uh, a specialty hernia surgery center. <laughs> Pardon me. And uh, we got back here to the RV resort where we're spending the winter. There were seven friends here waiting uh, to unload the truck, help Jen get situated, watch the kids. Why she so that was awesome. <coughs> Pardon me. We had two awesome friends that came down from Atlanta to stay with us for the week at our rental home that we rented for the week for surgery. Uh, thank them very much. Uh, Jen could have done it without you. That is for sure. And uh, so we are on the road to recovery. But my main point is thank you very much uh, for all your uh, uplifting thoughts and prayers and comments and notes and messages really kept me going. I appreciate it. But we're back uh, into the groove today, thank goodness. Um, also, we've got two awesome chicken coop contests coming up. Uh, the month of February, we're going to have a Facebook fan contest um, that will be run on our Facebook page at facebook.com forward slash the chicken whisperer. And uh, we're giving away an awesome Urban Coop Company round top chicken coop. And uh, so we'll be giving that away for the month of February. We also will be in month of February, towards the end of February, the spring issue of Chicken Whisper magazine will be printed and mailed and released and sent electronically. And in the magazine, there is a also a chicken coop contest from Wood Text Products. And so you'll have two opportunities to win uh, awesome chicken coops from uh, the Chicken Whisper and um, Urban Coop Company and uh, Wood Text Products. So make sure you do that. If you have not subscribed to the digital edition of Chicken Whisper Magazine yet, what are you waiting for? It is free. No catch. No, oh, we'll send you a free issue, and then uh, and then we'll bill your credit card for the rest. None of that crap. Um, strictly 100%, always will be 100% free. It will be emailed to you as soon as it is released, uh, so you can read it on your iPhone, your iPad, your laptop, your desktop, your Android, whatever just as you're sitting there reading The Real Magazine. If you like a real magazine, touchy-feely mailed to your home, we can do that too. It's only $9.95 for the year, but free uh, for the digital edition. So uh, go ahead and sign up for that, uh, chickenwhisperermagazine.com. So uh, that's all the announcements I have, so let's move on here. Let me get over here to the phone lines, and uh, we'll bring on Peter Brown, the chicken doctor. We've got a uh, we've got to end. We have a uh, in the show hard at um, 2.30, 
uh, 1.30 to 2.30 because he has uh, an appointment that he cannot miss. So uh, we're going to get right to the uh, topic with uh, Peter Brown, the chicken doctor, kind of preparing your breeders uh, for spring. Uh, welcome to the show, Peter. Hey, Andy. How are you doing? <clears throat> I'm doing pretty good. Good. You know uh, all about surgery, and most people out there do. Um, yep. The last surgery I had, I was about uh, four years old, had my adenoids out. And since I was four, <laughs> to, I'm on 45, nothing. I mean, nothing, thank you know, goodness. So, um, you know, it, it was just it was one of those things. You know, every if you have surgery, every day gets a little bit better, and that's how it's been. So I'm not in any special boat that anybody else really hasn't been in. And um, so uh, I just appreciate everybody uh, thinking, looking out for me and whatnot. So that was great. But, um, hey, one day at a time, you know it. You know it better than anybody. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a it's an interesting thing. Uh, life has its little little twists and turns, and uh, uh, hopefully you can steer the course around the, the, the twists and the turns without getting knocked off. That's the that's the big <laughs> issue. But <laughs> that's exactly right. I was talking to a friend of mine. Uh, he lives uh, just down the street here in the park. He had a hip replacement, and he he's a senior. He's probably in his uh, oh wow, he's probably you just can't tell these days. I would say between sixty five and seventy five. And uh, he had hip surgery, and I walked over there the other day, and I was like, well, I guess uh, we can just hang out and talk about our war stories and our incisions and what pills we're taking <laughs> and things like that. And he's like, yep, unfortunately, there's no cure for old age. <laughs> no, it's, uh, it, it is true. There isn't, there isn't a, a – a, uh, I wouldn't say there's a cure for it, but I, I think if there's one thing that I have learned, uh, um, you know, since um, – and, and you may not want to believe this, but in uh, just a scant few weeks, uh, be the third anniversary of my heart attack. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're that far out from it, but if there's anything I've learned about it is uh, uh, you have to decide as a human. No one person can tell anybody else how to uh, mm-hmm. to do things, but uh, you got to decide how you want to live out your final years. You know, the years that you have, you know, probably. Uh, you know, let's say, just for argument's sake, for 50 on, do you want to live them as well as you can, walking, talking, and getting around on your own? Or, uh, you know, do you want to be sitting somewhere, uh, you know, drool dripping out of the side of your mouth and somebody wiping your butt? So, And, and what you do, you know, with your life, uh, exercise-wise, eating and everything else, uh, will determine that. And I, I found that out, and I thought I was doing pretty good, but evidently it wasn't good enough. So, um, you know, it's just, it is what it is uh, at the end of the day, but... Uh, uh, so uh, old age can be curtailed to a degree, uh, and you know we're all going to leave this place whether we like it or not. And uh, but uh, you don't have to help yourself out. <laughs> so. Yeah, you don't have to. Have to you don't have to line the floor with banana peels if you don't have to. I'm sure there we you all, go. That's we a good have a few, <laughs> We all have a few banana peels down there, uh, but uh, we don't have to add any more to it uh, on purpose. That's that's for sure. So yeah, that's, that's a great way, I guess, to uh, to look at it, Doc. And so. Um, um, well, today's yeah. subject um, came yeah. about uh, basically by um, contact with folks who are getting ready to put breeders together or have already done so, um, and it seems as though some of them are already encountering problems and just getting started. So, um, and it, it runs the gauntlet—a number of problems from you know uh, respiratory issues to gut issues to uh, to mites and all that kind of stuff. So, I thought we would just. You know, relatively easily today, just quickly touch base on all of these different things. Uh, it's a semi-complete uh, checklist. Uh, I'm sure you can stand around and think of a zillion other things, and the more things you do in a positive fashion, uh, the better the outcome is going to be. 
uh, you know, for uh, the birds that you hatch from those breeders. So it just makes common sense to, uh, you know, to take care of the uh, the lifeblood, if you will, of the uh, young stock that you uh, are going to uh, rear from uh, these uh, these breeders. So it just makes sense to take care of them, kind of like your car. If you don't change the oil, uh, the motor's mm-hmm. going to pay you back someday, and uh, probably uh, sooner than later. So bearing that in mind and uh, and a few other things uh, that folks were saying, I thought that it would be a good time to, to go over it. Um, if we don't have time to finish it, we're going to start off with it uh, uh, next week, and then we'll go into uh, you know uh, things you can do to take care of your incubator and move on into uh, to maybe some uh, brief stuff on hatching and stuff. So just keep it going uh, for for a little bit and uh, give mm-hmm. people some of the you know the good information. Not that it has been out there before. Now that we haven't done some of the stuff before, we have, but it's always great uh, to remind people uh, you know as to where we're going with some of this stuff because I see a lot of a lot of posts, Facebook and everything else about shipping eggs and everything else, I always uh, laugh and want to roll on the floor when people are surprised that they get eggs and they don't hatch or they hatch poorly and, and everything else. And uh, just amazes me that uh, you know we have figured out as humans that these things can be shipped and they're supposed to all hatch 100%, which is uh, kind of a joke. Um, you know, so at any rate, um, there is no doubt, um, in my mind at least, that the lifeline, the lifeblood, if you will, of uh, any breeding program is the breeding stock itself. Uh, the quality of it, the health of it, um, the age of it, all uh, will uh, uh, play into how well uh, the young uh, chicks uh, hatch and then how well those young uh, chicks uh, thrive after they're, after they're hatched. And um, not everybody pays attention to all aspects uh, of their, uh, their program, and lots of times the breeders get left alone. Uh, I think most of the time because there aren't that many of them. Uh, for most people, most people have a, a handful of, of, uh, of breeders. Others have uh, more. Uh, but by and large, um, they uh, uh, tend to forget in some cases uh, that the breeders need uh, probably more attention than uh, the the offspring do, uh, at least uh, during the during the breeding season. So. Um, it depends on, on uh, you know, I, I'm not a geneticist, so I'm not going to go into the, the feathering and, and those kinds of things. You'll have already decided that for yourself uh, in having chosen particular birds to be breeders. Uh, but there is no point in putting them together and then having them fall apart from a health standpoint, okay? Um, it just doesn't make any any sense at all uh, to, uh, to spend all this time uh, uh, nurturing these birds up and everything else, and you, you just willy-nilly throw them together, and you're uh, you're happy to get hatching eggs, and you're trying to sell every one you can because you've got orders for every egg that you can possibly uh, hatch, and you're not paying attention to the overall needs of the birds, and we tend to forget that the highest producing birds are the ones that need the most attention, and generally speaking, those are your breeder birds. Uh, while you may be giving them a good grade of feed and and those kinds of things. Uh, the problem, as I see it, still persists with too many treats and junk food being given to, to birds, whether they be breeders or otherwise. So um, right off the bat, I would curtail my, uh, my uh, efforts to, uh, and my, my uh, mindset to uh, offer treats and scratch and all those things, and I would completely eliminate that from any breeding program that I had as far as putting it uh, out there for feed. Um, 
it's at this time that these high-producing birds, we want them to get every bit of nutrition that they can so that they can pass those good nutrition uh, aspects, amino acids, vitamins, minerals, and so on, uh, onto the offspring so that they are born without abnormalities uh, uh, and so on, especially if you're in one of the breeds, uh, you know, like maybe silkies or something like that, or seabrights, which are a little bit on the weaker side, have a tendency to uh, not always hatch as well uh, or uh, the offspring don't always uh, thrive as well as some of the other breeds. So you want to go to pass all of that nutrition on uh, that you can. And it's for that reason that I recommend uh, at least for uh, 14 days prior to putting your breeders together uh, to get some vitamins electrolytes and put it in the water on a daily basis. So if you're doing that, putting it in the water on a daily basis and you're um, uh, taking away all the treats and just giving them the uh, uh, complete feed that you're buying from the feed store, um, they're going to uh, thrive and do better and, and uh, uh, more than likely give you more eggs uh, and uh, better quality eggs and in the long run a better hatch with better quality uh, offspring. But that's not the only aspect of, uh, of uh, raising breeding stock and putting them together. Um, you need to start to look at their health, and this is a, an excellent opportunity uh, and I've said it many, many times on this show and been redundant about it over and over, about uh, the opportunity to sit in the yard with on a five-gallon bucket, chair, or whatever you choose, uh, sit on the ground, it doesn't matter to me, and, and observe your birds. Well, this is a great opportunity to pick up each bird individually, okay? Uh, and again, generally most people don't keep a ton of breeders, so you're not picking up, you know, hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of birds. Um, in most cases it's, uh, you know, 10, 20, 30 birds, and in some other cases it may be more. So when you pick up these birds, you're going to want to do your uh, external examination of the bird uh, as best that you can. Uh, you're going to want to look at the vent of the bird and see if the uh, has droppings sticking to the feathers uh, and uh, any manure, uh, white uh, caked manure and, and that kind of thing around the vent, uh, which is an indication that there may be some sort of a gut problem going on. Uh, you're going to look in the eyes. Uh, you're going to look in the ears. Uh, you're going to look in the eyes for the clarity in, in the eye, uh, the uh, um, the clarity uh, and, uh, and roundness of the, of the iris of the eye, um, looking for any abnormalities uh, that, that you uh, can, uh, uh, can see in, in the eye itself, redness in the conjunctiva of the eye, which would be other than normal, swelling, uh, mucus, any of these kinds of things around the eye. Uh, you're going to observe the nostrils. Uh, you're going to take a look in those. Uh, is there a lot of dirt in the nostrils, these birds rooting around in the dirt all the time? Is that the reason why, or is it because there's some mucus there and the bird is um, uh, getting the, the dirt stuck in, in the nostrils? Uh, open the mouth, look down the back of the throat, and we're looking for canker. We're looking for any abnormal growths that may be in, in, the, in the mouth. Uh, we're looking in the uh, nasal cleft in the roof of the mouth. We're looking for cheesy... Uh, snotty-looking material, yellow uh, material there, which could be canker as well. And canker will show up in the mouth generally as a small to large, uh, buttony, mushroomy-looking type of, uh, of a material. Uh, and you'll know it when you see it. It's not feed. It's just stuck. It's, it's, a, uh, it's a lesion caused by protozoa, and it's actually stuck to the uh, what we call the mucosal tissue of the, of the mouth. Uh, and if you try to pick it off, it'll generally bleed. Uh, if you... Uh, encounter that, then you need to treat it. You need to treat everybody, especially if they've all been in the same pen. If it's one particular pen, then I would treat that pen and that pen only. Uh, oxine in the drinking water, and um, uh, we use metronidazole tablets or canker pills, whichever. Uh, they're both the same thing. 
Uh, they may vary by where you buy them, but they're all the same thing. And uh, based on the weight, you give anywhere from uh, one tablet uh, to two tablets per day uh, for a minimum of five to seven days and see where you are. Uh, you can take some iodine uh, on a Q-tip and put it on that lesion after you've taken the canker off. Uh, do not let the birds swallow the uh, material that you're pulling off um, and dispose of it properly. Just don't throw it down on the ground so some other bird can pick it up and start the cycle all over. Uh, again, it is a protozoa. It is not controlled by any of the, uh, the normal uh, anti-protozoals that we would use, such as Corid, such as Ampryl, such as Somet, such as sulfadimethoxine, or any of those uh, that we would use for coccidiosis, which is also a protozoa. So don't be confused by it. Uh, those will not help you uh, in this particular case if indeed uh, that is what you're looking at. So you're going to make sure that the mouth is clear and clean. Um, and if not, you're going to treat it accordingly. If you're not sure what it is, you can get a hold of me and we can discuss it uh, and try to figure it out and uh, uh, take an appropriate course of action as far as uh, that's concerned. Um, after you've um, examined the bird, uh, the head and the eyes and everything else, if it's a crested bird, you're going to want to look in the crest for mites and that kind of thing uh, because lots of times we don't see the mites uh, in your crested birds any other place but in that crest. So you're going to make sure that you're... Uh, Look over the crest real good. Uh, get right down to the skin and, and take a good look-see there. And while you're at it, take the bird and look it over from head to toe, all under the wings, uh, looking for lice, looking for mites, uh, looking for red mites. Anything you can see on the bird that's crawling doesn't belong there. Try to identify it and treat it accordingly. Uh, a couple, three weeks ago, we did an entire show uh, based on how to control the mites and everything else. And um, I'm not, while I'm not going to go into each and every one of them here today, I think it's important to uh, look at the most common, uh, which is your northern foul mite. Okay, uh, the body louse is is the most, uh, pretty much the most common uh, louse that you'll see on on chickens. And uh, just recently uh, on Facebook and a couple of other places, people got in touch with me. Uh, some people are actually seeing this red mite, and a red mite can be difficult to get rid of, uh, simply because it it doesn't spend its entire life cycle on on the bird. And that's where you know where people go wrong. They treat the bird, but they don't treat the premise. And um, you know, I've said this before as well that, that if you're going to treat for mites, uh, um, if you're in an area at this time of the year where it's freezing uh, cold, uh, you're probably only going to be able to treat the birds at best. Uh, but as soon as spring breaks, uh, I would surely uh, treat the birds and the, the premise all at the same time. And you may have to come back and do it more than once. And I think that's where people. Uh, are fooled by these things <clears throat> because it uh, it may take several attempts to uh, get this under control uh, before you are able to uh, to gain that control that's necessary. Um, but you'll you'll know these mites when you see them, and uh, uh, most of them are nocturnal. Um, and uh, but the red mite can be very very persistent, very very difficult to get rid of. It's a huge problem in Europe. Um, we are blessed here. Uh, at the moment, because we can go to the store and we can buy insecticides that are effective against this mite, uh, the folks in Europe can't. Um, they have to go through a veterinarian, and like most po people here, uh, finding a veterinarian, number one, uh, is difficult, and number two, the cost of doing so. Um, so, um, you know, even, even here in the States, uh, trying to find somebody to do it for you, if you had to get something like that as a prescription item, is going to be pretty tough. And then we talked uh, about different treatments that you could do for mites because mites are extreme, extremely important. And you want to get all these things taken care of before you put your birds together because the mites are going to give you lower egg production. So if you're trying to sell every egg you can or you have orders uh, and you're having trouble filling them and the bird's full of mites, 
they're not going to give you the egg production that you want. They're not going to eat as much. So they're going to give you poor quality eggs, less eggs. Uh, so it, it can be a nightmare all in itself. So it is extremely important from my perspective uh, that all of these things uh, be taken care of uh, before you bother to put these birds together. Some of the things that you can use, um, and um, I kind of made a list of the, of the, uh, of the things uh, that I would uh, use them and how, what order I would use them in, um, not necessarily from the cheapest to the most expensive or the most expensive to the cheapest. Um, I think that I uh, look at it more along the lines of what is going to be more effective. I don't know about anybody else, but I know I'm not a big bug person. I don't like nothing crawling on me. And um, uh, the quicker, if I had a, a mite infestation in my flock, the quicker I got it under control, the better I'm going to feel about the whole thing. And so for myself, you know, I'm going to be really active in getting after it right from the get-go. The first one I see is hopefully the last one I want to see. So... Um, I would start out with the 10% permethrin. Uh, that's where I would start. You can use this uh, as a dip, mix it up as you would to spray it on the birds and then get a tote and uh, put the bird right down in it and um, work the uh, feathers <coughs> against the grain and get this material all the way down to the, to the, uh, to the skin. Uh, you can do it all the way up to, to the top of the uh, head just below the ears. Don't get it in the ears, not a good idea. You don't want to start any other infections uh, from the water being in the ear. And then if you need to get the head itself, you can take some in your hand and you can just gently put it over top of the head. Uh, they'll close their eyes. You won't have to worry about it. Um, and they're not going to open their mouth and drink a little, lot of it either. And uh, if you're careful about it, uh, this is a quick dip deal right in it and right out of it. Just throw them on the ground, let them shake it off, and let them go somewhere and dry off. And when you're all done with this, you can take that tote. You can filter out the, the droppings, the feathers, uh, and whatever else may be in there. And you can put it in your pump-up garden sprayer and then go spray the roofs and spray the walls and the ceiling and every nook and cranny in, in the coop. So it's a, it's a double-purpose uh, 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 utility type of, of a product, very effective. Uh, what I like about it is it has residual action, uh, meaning that after, um, after you, uh, uh, it finishes drying, uh, it continues to work for a number of weeks, and that is based on how dirty the premise gets inside. Uh, the more dust and dirt that collects on the walls, uh, the less effective over time it will be. Once that's covered up, any insect walking on it that doesn't come in contact with the uh, dried permethrin obviously isn't going to be affected by it. Same thing goes for the birds, uh, but I like it because of that fact. Okay, and you can come back, you know, a couple of three weeks and do it again, uh, and um, uh, that's the that's the way to to uh, to gain control of this thing. Uh, it sounds like a lot of work. Uh, but if your ultimate goal is to get good uh, eggs and uh, maintain good stock and to get good quality eggs, uh, these are some of the things that you're going to have to do and have to go through in order to get where you want to go. Uh, the next product that I would use uh, would be Elector. Uh, Elector is the uh, newest uh, product we use for controlling mites. Uh, the Elector product is uh, the active ingredient in Elector is spinosad. Uh, you might know it from the dog and cats <clears throat> from a, a product called uh, Comfortus. And I think there's another one. I can't remember the name of it. It's not important. But it's a very uh, safe product, uh, one of the safest insecticides to be brought to the, mar uh, to the market ever. Uh, there's reams and reams and reams of, of data on its, uh, its safety and its efficacy. The nice part about using the Elector uh, is that it, it attacks uh, two different uh, receptor locations on the uh, insects, 
and therefore it uh, has less of a chance of building resistance uh, to uh, uh, to the the, the insects have less a chance of building resistance to the elector uh, because the uh, the permethrin, the ivermectin, uh, and all of these others all uh, home in on the same receptor sites, uh, and uh, those are rapidly building resistance. And because elector doesn't build, uh, home in on the same receptor sites, uh, we hope to have it around for a lot longer period of time uh, than some of the others, like the uh, fipronil, which is the uh, uh, the front line and stuff. So. Um, one other thing about this before we move on, uh, the other things you could use, the ivermectin, you could use the poultry protector, uh, and last but not least, I only mention it because people do use it, and that would be seven dust. I find dust to be very ineffective over the years, um, and uh, in my opinion, uh, uh, more detrimental to the health of yourself and, and your birds uh, when you start uh, throwing that insecticide around. I don't care how, how uh, uh, safe they claim that one is. Uh, when the commercial people stop using it, you know there's a problem. And um, so uh, you're going to want to, you know, get this over with, uh, get it done, get get it done before you uh, you put the breeders together for any uh, rhyme or reason. Because um, if you don't control the mites, you're going to lose your egg production uh, to a degree, and and maybe even some birds if they do let it go long enough and bad enough. And uh, certainly they're not going to put out uh, uh, eggs that are going to be of best quality because they're going to be nutritionally deficient for the most part. Uh, because these birds are going to spend more time. Trying to dust bath, trying to trying to uh, clean themselves and get uh, away from the mites. They're not going to sleep properly, so they're not going to get the right amount of sleep, uh, and then they're going to have some of these mites sucking their blood and what have you. So uh, it can be a real detrimental situation, uh, but I recommend getting this uh, under control uh, as quickly as you can. And uh, by all means, uh, read the directions that come with these insecticides. And in, in the leaflet in the beginning. Uh, please read that part where it tells you that this is not an absolute, this particular product, that any and all of these products are should be used in a rotational program. Uh, never sit on one insecticide as your uh, your best friend. Uh, you're only hurting yourself and every, uh, every bird you have by doing that. You should rotate around uh, using uh, maybe one of them for a couple, three months, and then switch off to something else. And don't come back to that one for quite a while if you can avoid it. So... Um, those would be some of the things that I would do, especially uh, pertaining to, to mites. So um, uh, once you um, have checked the bird over pretty much, um, now we want to check for um, uh, and see if the bird has any kind of uh, respiratory problems. Um, one of the ways that you're going to do this, and it's, it's uh, not uh, necessarily 100%, uh, it's fairly accurate, uh, although, and um, you're going to take the bird's mouth and you're going to hold it closed and you're also going to put your fingers over the nostrils for about 20 to 30 seconds. And the um, bird's not going to like it, but we don't care about that. It's not going to harm them in any way, shape, or form. And then you're going to look for the presence of small, little, tiny bubbles forming in the corners of the eyes. And this, uh, well, again, not very scientific, but fairly accurate, uh, is an indication that there more than likely is some sort of upper respiratory issue going on. So at that point in time, uh, it may uh, be wise uh, to uh, uh, get an antibiotic and uh, put it on this particular breeding pen, and I would judge who I used it on and what pen I used it on based on my findings. 
So just as a quick recap for these couple of items, you're going to check the bird over, you're going to look for those mites, you're going to treat the mites accordingly, you're going to look in the mouth for canker or any other growths that may be in there. Uh, here's another one that you can think about too, because uh, we haven't really talked about worming yet, and we'll get to that in a minute. <clears throat> but you may even, when you're ex examining that mouth, you just might see uh, a gape worm or two hanging around in the mouth. Okay, So that's a possibility. So, uh, by examining these birds, and it doesn't take long. It's a one, two, three deal. It's, it's, uh, if you spend more than three, four, five minutes with a bird, you're probably just you know, not doing it fast enough because it's pretty simple to see uh, most of these things. Uh, if a bird's got mites, for the most part, once you put your hands on them, they're going to show up on you. Uh, they're not going to hang out on you for the most part. Uh, they, they're annoying, and if they crawl on you, it gives you the creeps. But by the same token, uh, they're not going to hang out on you. They're, they're more interested in being on that bird and, and getting their meal uh, you know, from, from the bird. And then you're going to check the canker in the mouth. You're going to treat that accordingly. You're going to put oxygen in the drinking water uh, and things of that nature. Um, the other thing, uh, and the most, one of the most common things that people uh, have trouble with after birds have, uh, have uh, uh, gone into production and start collecting eggs, and this is one of the reasons why we're talking about this today, uh, to try to head this off and prevent it so that it doesn't happen, and that is uh, coccidiosis. Uh, by far, one of the most misunderstood, uh, and I think it always will be misunderstood, uh, no matter how hard I try and um, uh, say something about it uh, as to how it all works, somebody will come along with some other cockamamie idea uh, of uh, what is working for them. And when these people say these things, when they're behind the power of a keyboard, you don't know if they're telling you the truth. You have no idea if they're actually trying what they're saying uh, or they just heard it somewhere else and just dragging it around uh, like a kid with a, uh, with a broken toy. And uh, so <clears throat> you can't always believe everything, everything you, say, you hear, uh, but coccidiosis, by far the most misunderstood, uh, the most ill-treated of, of, uh, of diseases that is out there, um, and uh, it always will be a management issue, okay, always. Uh, even in the commercial poultry industry, anybody that is truly connected with it knows what's going on. It is a management issue even there with all the arsenal of tools they have in their toolbox. It is always a, a management issue. Either the litter isn't being managed right or the birds aren't, aren't being managed right or somebody did something wrong somewhere along the line to allow this particular disease to show its, uh, its ugly head. And given the opportunity, it will. And uh, so I think you need to look at the birds. Uh, early on, we talked about you know looking at the vent to see uh, you know if there was any manure stuck to the vent and, and or or the feathers or, or anything like that. And um, you're going to want to get an opportunity to observe uh, the droppings of these birds. It's it's critical. It's important. So my suggestion to you is that when your birds go to roost at night, most of the time they roost in the same spot, and most people pretty much know either by name or by color or, or, or whatever, uh, which bird is which. Um, and you can, in the morning when you turn these birds out or whatever you do with them, uh, turn them down, take it down off the roost to, to feed, you can take a look under that roost and take a look at the droppings and kind of see who's doing what. If you have leg bands on your bird, it'd be a great time at night. Go in there uh, as they're up on the roost before the lights go out and maybe take a pencil and pad and see who was where write down a, a, a leg band number so that you can go back in the morning and you kind of look down there at those droppings and you can look uh, and see uh, what you see, the off-color dropping, the dropping with blood in it, the, the, uh, 
the one that's got uh, uh, maybe some worm eggs in it, one that's got maybe some uh, uh, some uh, round worms in it, or maybe some t- tapeworms and that kind of thing. Uh, if you're lucky enough to have a veterinarian who is interested in, in helping you with your flock uh, and you're able to uh, uh, take some samples of the droppings into them, I certainly encourage it. <coughs> Nothing better than having somebody who knows what coccidiosis and worm eggs and such look like. They're pretty much the same. Coxie and dogs and chickens look the same under a microscope, and most of the eggs uh, that would uh, affect uh, uh, dogs uh, pretty much look the same uh, as they would under a microscope for for chickens. So they will be able to tell the difference between the two uh, and help you out there and uh, allow you to make a decision on how to get, uh, you know, a... uh, a reasonable program uh, going. And uh, so you're going to want to look at the coccidiosis angle of it, um, some of the s- symptoms of coccidiosis besides the possibility of blood. And, and bear in mind, we don't always see blood. Uh, so when we don't always uh, you know, see blood in those droppings, doesn't mean that there, that there is uh, no coccy there. Um, but uh, blood is certainly one of the things we see. One of the other things uh, that you uh, may see with birds is they get lethargic, lazy, uh, sleeping all the time, uh, sitting in the corner, not wanting to come out, sitting on the roost, uh, droopy-headed, falling asleep, falling asleep, standing up, standing on one leg, um, and that kind of thing. Those are all symptoms of coccidiosis, and that is the time to get on it, right then and there. Okay, That's the opportunity that you have uh, you know, to... Uh, to get, grab the bull by the horns and, and, and go with it. One other thing I want to say, when you take, uh, if you have the opportunity to take a uh, sample of your droppings to a vet and he says to you that they have coccidiosis, uh, bear in mind that coccidiosis is probably the most common uh, intestinal parasite that birds have. And having a bird that is free of it is, I won't say rare, but it's more uncommon than common. So if they tell you that you have coccidia, your question to them would be, how many? And if he tells you that they're too numerous to count, then that means you've got a big problem. If he tells you just a few, no big deal. Okay? And then if you feel the urge to treat, now is the time to treat. And I may choose, if I were uh, doing this, I may choose to go with sulfadimethoxine first. And my reasoning there is that um, it is more broad spectrum than is uh, cord or amperol. It is more effective than cord or amperol. And being more broad spectrum, if there are other uh, abnormalities bacteria-wise going on in the intestine, it's probably going to clean them up for you. Okay. Um, after I, I did this and I determined uh, that I didn't have any worms, so we've, we've looked in the bird's mouth. We can't see any gape worms there. The birds aren't gaping. Uh, we've had an opportunity to look at the droppings. We don't see any eggs. We don't see any worms. The droppings look fairly decent. Uh, then I would consider that they, uh, I would worm with um, either valbazin, I would worm with uh, uh, Wazine, any one of the two, or possibly both. Just depends on how long uh, you want to spend, uh, you know, going through this. Wazine, uh, which is a piperazine base, uh, it uh, takes care of roundworms only. Uh, and you might say, well, why do I want to do it? Well, you want to make sure that they're clean now because you don't want to be in the middle of your breeding program and find out that everybody's got worms now because it wasn't taken care of in the beginning and now your egg production is suffering, and you're going to have to come back in, and you have to go give, give them something, and you're going to, um, well, I doubt that the, uh, the wazine is going to interfere with egg production as far as it being detrimental to the embryo. Uh, you still really do not 
want to give these things during that cycle. Uh, I'm a big fan of not giving anything to them once you have put them together and they're producing eggs for uh, breeding purposes. Uh, the valbazin, I would want to give it beforehand. Um, I had not seen any literature to show that there would be a uh, problem with it uh, in, in relation to the embryos, uh, but not knowing that 100% sure, I would uh, deter from uh, giving that during the production cycle, uh, and I would uh, you know, refrain from doing so. So you want to get all these things tidied up, cleaned up uh, beforehand, and uh, hope that you don't have to come back in during the production cycle uh, and uh, uh, do some more housekeeping. It's better to get it done uh, beforehand. Uh, looking at respiratory issues, uh, if you do have some respiratory issues, you want to make sure you take care of those. Um, the drug of choice for me, uh, from my perspective, uh, would be to start at the bottom of the pile, and that would be with uh, oxytetracycline, which would be uh, what we might consider the old teramycin when it was available, but I would want to concentrate, okay? And the reason for that is if you look at a bag of teramycin in the old days, 6.4 ounces, 181.4 grams, uh, it was, sounded like it had a lot of stuff. Boy, you, you know, 6.4 ounces, a lot of stuff. But actually it had 10 grams of oxytetracycline, which was the active ingredient in the product. So it was very weak, okay? That means you had 171 grams of nothing. So um, uh, oxytetracycline being the active ingredient there, uh, oxytetracycline uh, being the name of the ingredient and teramycin uh, being the uh, trade name, okay? Uh, <clears throat> the uh, products that are out there now, there's numerous ones, uh, and the uh, Tetroxy 280 is the same as Oxytet uh, uh, Concentrate, uh, any one of the two. Um, and I would opt for two teaspoons and a gallon of water 10 days. Uh, so you see the importance of putting the birds together uh, prior to uh, you know the, the breeding season, and uh, uh, you know go back and run through this real real quick uh, about looking at the vent, uh, looking for the mites, uh, looking for the mites in the crest as well. Uh, a great place to look for mites is around the vent. Uh, they seem to hang out there and and, and uh, actually do drink uh, moisture from the vent itself. Uh, you're going to want to look in the mouth, in the nasal cleft. You want to look at the nostrils. You want to look in the eyes. You want to look in the ears. What we're looking for in the ears. We're looking for what we call ear canker. Uh, now, this can be related to mouth canker, uh, but generally it's not. Generally, it's a, a uh, relatively aggressive, uh, hard-to-cure bacteria, and uh, uh, it uh, can be very daunting to get rid of. Uh, it takes uh, um, Otamax and, and uh, amoxicillin uh, and or cephalexin to, uh, to get through it. Uh, and it can be a long-term uh, treatment. This treatment can go on for as many as 30 days or more. Uh, and you'll know it when you see it. It's an orange to yellow waxy core uh, that is growing in the ear. And if it's bad enough, you'll be able to see it plainly because it will start coming out of the ear. Uh, and it will push the ear canal out at the end and make it real wide. And you'll know it further when you pull it out. It stinks to high heaven. It's got a very distinct uh, foul odor to it. And you'll need to clean that out every day and treat with the amoxicillin, uh, generally 250 milligrams twice a day. Same thing with the cephalexin and the uh, Otamax uh, put in the ears uh, two to three times a day. So you can see it's laborious, it's time-consuming, and it's not cheap. Uh, both of those medications can, uh, can run a considerable amount of money. 
so you have to base what you're going to do based on the uh, overall value of the breeder and that standing of that breeder in your in your particular operation. If the bird can't be replaced, uh, then it will warrant spending the money. Uh, if not, maybe not so. Um, it just depends. Um, so um, you know, you want to look at the, you want to look at that. You want to take a look at the respiratory system. You might want to hold a bird up to you, see if you can hear it wheezing uh, at all. Shouldn't be any wheezing coming from the bird whatsoever. Uh, you also uh, you know want to look in the eyes. Want to make sure the eyes are clear. No swelling. No mucus. No snotty noses. And then you want to hold those nostrils shut, and uh, you want to check those uh, bubbles in the corner of the of the eyes. And uh, so I think that, you know these are some things that that you can do. Um, I think these are important things to do. Uh, you want to remember not to use sulfur drugs during the uh, egg production cycle at all. Uh, if you do so, it will cause the uh, egg yolk to be mottled, and usually mottled egg yolks don't survive. Uh, the, the embryos don't survive. So uh, if you feel that you need to, uh, if you have an outbreak of coccidiosis, something beyond your control, uh, your remedies then would be the amprol and or the corid. Uh, about a teaspoon and a gallon of water, five to seven days. Um, either one makes no difference. They're both the same thing. I know people will argue the point that they're different, and the only difference is, is that uh, if you really want to know, uh, cord is for cattle. So if you're using cord on your chickens, they're not cattle. Um, and if you want to use Ampril, which is for chickens, then that's the one you should use. But it really doesn't matter at the end of the day. Uh, you'll find that uh, the cord can be just a tad more expensive on average than the, uh, the Ampril because uh, these days they're made by two different manufacturers. Yeah, but they are the same active ingredient. The liquid is 9.6% amproleum, uh, either cord or amprol, and the powders, cord or amprol, both 20% amproleum. So uh, amproleum is the active ingredient. Uh, cord is a trade name. Amprol is a trade name. Okay? And uh, I've got, um, I need to take a break, but when we come back, I have two questions I want to try to ask. Okay. One was in the uh, chat room, and one was posted on our Facebook page. So folks, we're talking with... Peter Brown, also known as the Chicken Doctor. We're talking about preparing your breeding flocks for spring, and we'll be back right after this short break. Stay with us. Are you in the market for a new chicken coop? Want one that will outlast all the others? Then check out Urban Coop Company. All of their coops are made from 100% appearance-grade western red cedar with galvanized hardware and advanced all-weather joinery right here in the USA. Compared to other coops, Urban Coop Company coops will last longer and look better doing it. They're designed to be both beautiful and functional. In fact, they have earned the Chicken Whisperer seal of approval and are Chicken Whisperer approved. I invite you to browse their website to learn more about the many features of their coops and check out their integrated coop accessories that will make your life easier. Urban Coop Company is a family-owned business located in Dripping Springs, Texas, USA. They are passionate about building great coops because they know you're passionate about your backyard chickens. Visit them online at urbancoopcompany.com. That's urbancoopcompany.com. Do you provide a heat source for your backyard chickens in the winter? In most cases, it's not necessary. But if you choose to provide a heat source for your backyard chickens, it's imperative to use a safe and effective heat source, and the only one I recommend is the Sweeter Heater. The Sweeter Heater is a safe, completely sealed, washable, 
non-breakable, energy-efficient, long-lasting and reliable specific area heater that comes with a three-year warranty. Ditch the dangerous heat lamp this season and invest in the only heater I recommend, the Sweeter Heater. Purchase the Sweeter Heater online at SweeterHeater.com. That's SweeterHeater.com. Ideal Poultry has been a family-owned and operated business since 1937. Their business is built on customer service and quality poultry. From rare white and brown egg layers to broilers, ducks, turkeys, and bantams, Ideal Poultry is the largest supplier of backyard poultry in the United States, shipping close to 5 million chicks annually. Visit them online at IdealPoultry.com. That's IdealPoultry.com. Hey, it's the Chicken Whisperer. If you're in the market for a new incubator, then look no further than GQF. They have a great selection of tabletop and cabinet-style incubators at prices you can afford. I love my GQF Genesis Model 1588. It has a large picture window and an automatic thermostat, which makes for a better hatch every time. Go pick out your new incubator at GQFRadio.com. That's GQFRadio.com. Actually, in reality, I am... All right, thank you very much for uh, staying with us today on Backyard Poultry with the Chicken Whisperer. I'm going to give you the first question from the chat room. Actually, there were two, and then uh, we'll see if we can get the one over to Facebook, if I can have uh, actually get it to come up. Uh, computer's acting up a little bit. Um, first question uh, was, do roosters in the wintertime uh, kind of slack off on mating, kind of like the ladies slack off on eggs. And then number two, um, um, there's a question in the chat room about, uh, you were talking about treating for mites and, and lice earlier with the pymethrin, and they were wondering about egg withdrawals on that product, uh, Peter. And while you answer those, I'm going to go see if I can find the third one on Facebook if we have time for that one. Okay. <clears throat> as far as the uh, roosters are concerned, uh, it's more genetic uh, and age-related uh, than it is, for the most part, uh, you know, time of, of year. Um, again, I have a geriatric flock here, and, uh, you know, they'll, they'll, they're between six and nine years of age here, um, these roosters, and there's, there's a fair amount of them, and um, they want to mate with a few ladies that are there uh, in the morning and, you know, kind of throughout the day, and they kind of slack off later in the, in the day. But... Uh, they still are are, are interested, uh, even at the advanced age that that these birds are. Um, some birds um, uh, are, are are less interested and uh, produce less fertile eggs. Um, I know um, a couple of years back there were some problems in some uh, uh, Brahma breeds uh, with uh, fertility and, and those kinds of things, um, and those are probably more genetic related than anything else. Um, as far as the permethrin is concerned, I know of, of no egg withdrawal time uh, listed uh, on the label. Um, yeah, this is a product that really doesn't get down into the uh, the bloodstream. It uh, it it's kind of it does absorb into the surface of the skin, but I don't believe it gets right down into the uh, bloodstream per se. I know the Spinosad uh, or the Electra product, I know it has no egg withdrawal whatsoever. It is the safest product on the market, to my knowledge, uh, right at the moment, and it is also you know, designed for livestock, chickens included. Uh, comes with directions uh, uh, on the inside of the label for, uh, for use on chickens. 
and I know that one can be reapplied uh, every two weeks. Uh, it's the newest one on the block. It is probably almost the most expensive on the block at this point in time. Uh, there's only one manufacturer, so they hold you hostage. Uh, they can move the price up and down anytime they want, uh, and most recently they did that. Um, they moved the price uh, quite a bit. So uh, uh, that's the answer to those two questions. What was the third one, Andy? The last one is, um, uh, where did it go? Oh, hang on. <laughs> right in front of me. Uh, the screen has to scroll down, and it won't be that long to answer because I know you've got to fly out the door. Um, um, my fancy and rare breeds uh, apparently are kind of mixed together. Uh, when should I separate them to prevent crossbreeding? That was number one. Uh, how far before I should start collecting the eggs, I guess. And then what supplements should I add to their diets? Uh, she does mention a, a supplement called Nutri-Drench uh, in the water. And she asked if she should put that in the water at all times. Um, I wouldn't put uh, Nutri-Drench or any other uh, supplement in the water at all times. Um, I would evaluate the feed that I was giving. Uh, I would uh, uh, pull away from any treats and extracurricular products that I was giving that, that keep them from eating uh, the uh, complete feed that you're buying from the feed store because that's where their nutrition lies. That's what they're supposed to eat. That has all the vitamins, uh, amino acids, minerals, fat, carbohydrate, you name it, it's got it. Uh, and that's the whole design behind it. So if you do that um, and you have birds eating that food all the time, then they really shouldn't need a whole lot of supplementation. The the only reason I say to put it uh, to, together in the beginning is to get them off to a good start and keep it that way. Um, if you want to come back in during the breeding cycle and, and every other day or three times a week and put some vitamins uh, and, and minerals in their water, I don't think that's a bad thing. I think putting it in on a daily basis is a bad thing. And uh, the reason for that is that all of these vitamins are not created equal. We, we've talked about this before. We did a show on it. Uh, your fat-soluble, water-soluble vitamins, water-soluble, your Bs and stuff, uh, your Cs, doesn't really matter. Uh, they take it in, use it, excrete the rest out. The fat solubles, which are A, D, E, and K, uh, they take that in, use what they need, and they store the rest. And the majority of it gets stored in two places. While it stores in many places throughout the body, the majority of it is going to be stored in the liver and the brain. And uh, two places where you don't want a whole lot of excess stuff that you really don't need. Um, you know, it could lead to, uh, you know, vitamin toxicity. Uh, you could have a, a problem. Uh, so rather than invite a problem, I would stay away from the problem by, you know, uh, giving it, you know, you know, three days, three days a week uh, is all I would do uh, during that period of time. Certainly during uh, times of stress, uh, moving, handling, vaccination, injury, uh, the heat of the summer. Sure, we want to put stuff out there because we know they're not going to eat that feed like they should. And then sometimes in the uh, dead of summer when it's really uh, uh, stifling outside. We may not want them to eat that much uh, food because we know that it gives off heat and they're already hot. So um, that, that would be my answer to that. That's the way I would handle it if, if they were my own. That's the way I did handle it when we did do these things for ourselves. Uh, and it always worked out pretty well. Uh, it's when you start overthinking it, giving the overabundance of things. Uh, there are a whole number of things going on on Facebook now about vaccination and this and that and the other thing. And, um, you know, Sometimes I don't want to answer it anymore because I'm tired of trying to straighten out a can of worms that doesn't want to be straightened out because somebody else has got some other cockamamie idea. You know, um, 
I'll just give you a real quick for instance here, and then I got to roll. But uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. you know the 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 ILT vaccine, okay. For the most part, there isn't another person on the place uh, on the planet of, of the face of the earth that has as much experience as I have with that product. I was exposed to it at a very young age, right out of high school, okay, and that wasn't yesterday. And I was fortunate enough to be given a preponderance of the research. So I know what I'm talking about, okay? And I agreed not to publish it in any way, shape, or form, so I can only talk about it, but I know what I'm talking about. And I know that other people who are talking about things don't know what they're talking about. I've seen all of the trials about how it doesn't spread bird to bird, how the trials were conducted, Okay, I know how long the vaccine will last. There's a reason why they tell you to do it twice. Duh. Okay, that's what the directions say. You know, and people don't get, a, uh, get understand things because they don't even read the directions. There is not a vaccine flyer for a vaccine made that doesn't say somewhere in those directions to be used on healthy birds. And just because your bird isn't snotting from the nose and coughing and choking and rolling around on the floor gasping for air doesn't mean that they're healthy. What they're meaning is if that bird has any other disease, mycoplasma, MS, MG, Newcastle, bronchitis, laryngotracheitis, any of those things, even coccidiosis, Merrick's for that matter. They're all, uh, Merrick's is an immune-suppressing disease, so it's going to suppress the immune system. If that bird is developing Merrick's or, or whatever, and you give it a vaccine, you could have a reaction, you could have a problem. So none of it's clear-cut like people think it is because they don't pay attention. You know, and people don't want to hear that when I tell them. You know, you're not you're not paying attention. And uh, you know, what are the cons to vaccinating? What are the pros to vaccinating? If I ask them any more, I'm going to puke. I'm so tired of answering the same thing over and over and over and over and over. You know, I'm waiting for people to get the clue. You know, I, and I and I've gone on numerous reasonable blogs and 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 said that, and you know, some people listen, some people don't. So um, I don't know. Get off my horse here, but uh, it, you know it. It just behooves me to understand why people can't be reasonable about these things and understand that, uh, you know, you evaluate what you do based on your risk. You do that every day in life. Most people don't think about it because you, you do it every day. But everything you do is based on risk. You know, there's a big flap now about uh, there's a flock of turkeys in California infected with the AI. Okay. Yeah, all that this morning, the yeah. question is, do you go to the show? Well, I think, in, in honesty, looking at it from my perspective, I'd probably stay home. I think it's a smart thing to do. Does that hurt the show? Yes. But it hurts the show by far worse if somebody brings it in from somewhere else or it just happens to show up on your doorstep. You don't know. And just because the state veterinarian isn't locking the place down, I can tell you, I don't know about California, but I know about a lot of other places I know about here, they're not chicken people anyway. <laughs> they're not. Most of them are large animal vets. So their their knowledge of uh, in most cases I won't say in California because I have no clue who the vet is or what their you know their base is but I know what happens here and um, you know even here you can't show a bird in Maryland uh, Pennsylvania Virginia and Delaware without having an AI tested 10 to 14 days prior to the show so you know people are talking about NPIP and all this other stuff and everything it doesn't mean anything I've said it a thousand times. It's a thousand times. Every state doesn't administer it the same. Uh, not everybody buys into the whole program. Some people just do it because they want to be polarm-free, because it's required. But they're not interested in the MGMS, AI, and all the other stuff. 
we see. And until we get people all on the same page, you're going to have this big controversy to go or not to go. Crazy. Hey, I'm going to, I'm going to cut you off because you've got to go. I have got to go. You're very passionate about it, and we love that about you. But uh, you I'll talk to you guys all day. I love this. <laughs> hey, thanks, buddy. Good luck to you, and uh, we'll see you next Monday. Okay, thanks, Andy. Bye. <laughs> you bet. That's Peter Brown, also known as the Chicken Doctor, founder of First State Vet Supply dot com. Write it down. Go visit his website, First State Vet Supply dot com. Thank you very much for tuning in today. Great show as always with Peter Brown, also known as the Chicken Doctor. We thank you. Uh, hey, visit us online, ChickenWhisperer dot com, and uh, go check us out on Facebook, Facebook dot com forward slash the Chicken Whisperer. Have a great day, everybody. God bless. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.